by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We'll turn to Zechariah chapter 9 in your Bibles. Zechariah. If you don't have your Bibles, then we have it on the screen there for you. If you can't find it, I know it's hard to find. I'm looking for it myself. I might just have to read it off mine. Where'd you go, Zechariah? He's hiding in there somewhere. Anyway, I'll just read mine. Huh? Before who? Oh, he's right before Malachi? So that's right before the New Testament. I'm, I'm scooting back in the middle so far. In there. All right, sorry. Thank you, Angie. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. The prophet says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph. Say, Shout in triumph. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble and riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. Now if I ask you what he's talking about, you know. When Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and he was riding on a donkey's colt. And they were throwing the palm branches down in front of him, shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What a, what a shout that was that day. And we're still shouting about it some 2,000 years later. But what's odd about this passage? What strikes me about this passage is that Zechariah lived 500 years before Jesus came. What? You know what that tells me? I believe God is trying to tell his people the shout comes before your victory. He's saying, shout in triumph for your king is coming. The victory is coming. So you shout on this side, you shout during, and you shout in the end. God's people are some shouting folks. Woohoo! Today's message is shout for the victory. Shout for the victory. I, I, I see some people laughing. It's just the, the joy of the Holy Spirit in here today. Wow. Long time ago, I was standing by that door, and Brother Tom came up to me and he said, Guy, would you be interested? It's a long time before I was a pastor guy. It was just, Brother Guy, would you be interested in going down to the jail and ministering with me one Sunday night? Of course, it was a Sunday service, so he was talking about that night. <laughs> and so, everything in me said, huh? Uh, just probably like most of us, it's like, I don't know what's going on down there at the jail. You know, that's a little intimidating. What's going on behind them walls? Hardened criminals and all this is coming into my mind real fast, but I'm trying to play it off. You know, and before I knew what happened, I said, okay, I'll go. I'll be there. <laughs> and so I done got myself boxed in. And 
And so when I went to go that night, I was just dumb enough to grab the acoustic guitar off the wall and bring it with me. I, everywhere I, had, I went during those days, I would bring my acoustic minister. You know, that's how I ministered. So I brought my guitar. I didn't know nobody else brought guitars down there. But they looked at me funny, but they let me in. And I tell you, for probably close to 15 years now, some of the best praise and worship I've ever been a part of was down there to the Soto County Jail with them men singing to that old beat-up acoustic guitar I bring down there without a case on it. And I tell you, it's been, it's been beautiful. Those guys, they made me a, a necklace, made Tom one. Isn't that cool? Now, they didn't have any machines or they didn't have any materials. This is made out of a trash bag. Those guys down there just twisted up the plastic on a trash bag, and the, the silver part came, I guess, from the zip ties or something. And they, they made me, two of them, made Brother Tom just appreciative that we would come down there. I thought we was going down there to visit some hardened criminals or something. You know what I found? They just people. Just people just like me and you. They just people. Maybe just people that got caught when we didn't. <laughs> How many times should I have been down there, huh? And they need the same Jesus that me and you need. And like me, before I found Jesus, they probably had spent most of their life screaming. Screaming at their wife. Screaming at their kids. Screaming at their boss. Just mad at the world, not understanding. Screaming at the world. I remember those days frustrated, screaming. And what we used to do, I don't think, I think Mark Burks, who has started our jail ministry probably about 25 years ago, we've been going down to the Soto County Jail, he started something called the Shabbat Praise. Now, I don't know if you know what that is. I looked it up. It said a Shabbat Praise is a, Shabbat is a Hebrew word that encourages us to praise God with a loud voice. And the way we would do it at the jailhouse is on the count of three, we're going to shout hallelujah as long and as loud as we can. And I'd count to three, and I'd tell you what, them guys wasn't screaming. They were shouting. Now, if you look up both words, screaming and shout, I looked up shout. Shout, shout is a, a utter a loud cry, typically as an expression of strong emotions. You're letting some out. And I think, to me, just the way I see it, a scream is, a, is an emo a dark emotion coming out. A negative emotion coming out of your mouth. But a shout, on the other hand, is letting the good out. And we would count to three, and those guys would shout so long and so hard, the jail would shake like you heard about in the book of Acts. There were times when the jailers would come running down there to see what was going on. Must be a riot. They would scare the jailers and the, the, the deputies in the jailhouse. Because once them men understood what Jesus had done for them, we'd tell them the gospel and then we'd let them shout about it. And for maybe for the first time in their lives, they shouted for the right reasons. Hmm. Psalm 71, 23 says, I will shout for joy and sing your praises for you have ransomed me. And see, when we told them that Jesus had paid their debt on the cross and that they could be free, 
even though they're still in those yellow jumpsuits. They received Christ and they were free and they understood freedom just isn't something on the outside, but freedom is mostly something on the inside. They were ready to shout. Jesus is our victory. And guess what? Jesus wants us to shout for our victory. <laughs> Let me say that again. Jesus is our victory. And he wants us to shout for the victory. <laughs> that sounds like loud praises, doesn't it? I told them kids yesterday at Youth Villages about Gideon. Because, you know, a lot of those kids down there are probably close to the age that Gideon was when he delivered Israel. And I said, you know what? Gideon was down in a wine press, hidden, trying to thresh out some grain to have enough to eat. Why? Because the Midianites were oppressing God's people, the Israelites. And they were trying to kill them, starve them to death. And so Midian's just trying to make do in this hard world. And he's down there trying to get some grain together, and the angel of the Lord appears. And the angel says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon must have looked at him crazy. Gideon says, I'm the littlest guy in my family. And my family is the littlest family in our tribe. And our tribe is the littlest tribe in all of Israel. And you're going to call me a mighty man of valor? I don't think so. But anyway, God says, I want you to deliver my people Israel. I want you. I have chosen you. And Gideon's like, you know, I got good intentions and all, but you're going to have to prove that you are who you say you are. And so he threw out a fleece, so to speak. That's where we get that term. He said, God, if, you know, there's, if the fleece is wet in the morning, the ground's not, and then vice versa, he did it again. Just, just proving God out. See, make sure this is God before I step into it. And it proved out true. God did what Gideon asked and proved himself. And so then God said, you ready to go? And Gideon says, I'm ready to go. I believe you are who you say you are. Let's get her done. And God said, I want, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to go to your father's house and I want you to tear down them altars to them false gods that y'all been worshiping. And so Gideon goes and he tears down the Asherah pole and burns down the other stuff and, and does exactly what God says. And God says, you're doing good, Gideon. And then about that time, the Midianite army came to wipe out Israel. Now, the Midianite army was huge. They were like in charge back then. They probably had, I don't know, I'm guessing 100,000 soldiers or something. Now, see, some people had gotten mad at Gideon for tearing down their altars. But some people felt like, hey, this is right. And because Gideon had stood up against all the false gods and the falsities of this world, certain people were willing to follow him. And so Gideon called for soldiers, and there weren't many soldiers. But 32,000 people showed up to follow Gideon, which is kind of amazing. This little bitty boy and this little bitty family and this little bitty tribe and this little bitty nation. And God looked at those 32,000 men. He said, Gideon, 
If I let you go to war with those 32,000 and y'all won, y'all probably take credit for it. I'm not letting you take that many men. He said, tell all the ones that are kind of scared and just kind of showed up because everybody else did, tell them to go home. So Gideon made an announcement. Okay, if you're here today and you're scared and you're not really ready for battle, you can go home. 22,000 of them left. How many does that leave? Anybody paying attention? How many? 10,000 left. Well, surely God would get to victory if only 10,000 go up against an army of probably 100,000 or more. But nope. God says, no, I want to make this plain that I'm the one who goes before you in battle like Amber said. He said, send them down to the river and let them drink and count the ones who lap it up like a dog or the ones who scoop it up and drink out of their hands. Well, only 300 men scooped it up and drank out of their hands, and God says, I'll choose them. I'll, I'll use them. Gideon must be thinking, Lord, you want me to take 300 guys? And so he begins to doubt God again. But God says, Gideon, I want you to go down to the camp of the Midianites, sneak up in there, and I'm going to show you what's really going on. How many of you ready to find out what's really going on in the enemy's camp? Gideon snuck down there. He listened upside somebody's tent, and there was a guy in there telling another guy, I had a dream last night. The mighty Israel, Israel army came down like a, a bread rolled, like a big loaf of bread rolled and, and crushed all of us. <laughs> Reminds me of the bread of life, crushing the enemy. And they, they were in there shaking in their boots, and Gideon says, he said, I don't know why I keep testing God. He went back and he told his 300, all right, here's what we're going to do, guys. Every one of you, I want you to get a ram's horn. Every one of you, I want you to get a torch and light it. And I want you to get a clay pot and y'all come with me. And so he divided them up into hundreds. And, they, and, the, and the camp of the Midianites was down in the valley. And he put a hundred over here, a hundred over here, a hundred over here up, in, up on the little uh, hilltops. And he said, when I blow my ram's horn, you blow your ram's horn. When I shout, you shout. And when I break my clay pot, you break your clay pot. And so they got them surrounded. <laughs> and Gideon blew that ram's horn. All the other 299, 300 guys, I guess, started blowing their ram's horn. And you can imagine down there in the Midianite camp, they ain't expecting nothing. They, they ain't never had any problem out of these Israelites before. They've been just taking whatever abuse that they could dole out to them. They're in the middle of their tents. All of a sudden, these ram's horns are blowing. And they hear this noise, and they... They wake up, and it's the middle of the night. No campfires going on, no light or whatever. They jump up, and then they hear Gideon shout. Shout for the victory. Shout for Gideon. And all the people begin to shout, all 300 of them. And the people are thinking, ram's horns, shouting. The Israelites have amassed a huge army. And they, they come out of their tents in the dark, and they look, and Gideon busts his clay pot and lets his light shine and all the other 300 let their light shine and it throws the enemy into confusion they're thinking they've got us surrounded 
They were already scared anyway. And they take their swords and they can't see in the dark. And, and one of their buddies rides by and they think it's the enemy. And they start stabbing one another. And the whole camp is thrown into confusion. And those who didn't kill each other took off running. And then Gideon and the army took off after them and run them out of town. And defeated the enemy. Only God. Say only God. What would have happened if Gideon would have took those 32,000 and they met them? Met them in the fields that day and tried to outflank them and try to outsword them. There's a few things that I see in this passage, just a few things I'd like to mention. God called Gideon. And God does that. He takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He likes to take the least and turn them into the, to the most. And if he can use Gideon, he can use you. And God is calling you. Second, do we still need to throw out a fleece? Haven't we experienced enough of life to this point that we know God is real? Second, or third, the first thing they had to do was tear down those altars. Of the false gods and the false teaching and all the wrong ways of living life that the Israelites the, that had compromised with the world and fell into fell into pagan activity. Today you might say, worshiping the almighty dollar or fame or fortune or checking their horoscopes every day instead of trusting in the word of God. And all these false items that we have made into ourselves today the first thing God says you got to get rid of those y'all shall have no gods before me I got to be number one another thing I see is the size of the army doesn't matter do you think I think Gideon could have went by himself you and God are a majority and we look at this little church we say oh what we gonna do we so small back here. Nobody can see us. I want you to know if you were to sneak into the enemy's camp right now, the voices that you hear will be trembling in fear. Because it don't take but one with Jesus. It's a majority. One person who knows his authority in Christ has the devil tr trembling in his boots. One thing I, I thought about a lot this week was the blowing of the ram horn, the ram's horn. Be similar to a trumpet today. It doesn't have any musical keys. You, get, you just blow it. I said, what does that symbolize, Lord? I began to pray about it. And I began to see other places in the Bible where the ram's horn was used. They would blow the ram's horn as a call to battle, to ready the troops, right? Another thing we see is the ram's horn. It would herald the approach of a king. Get ready. The ram's horn reminds me of God's very own voice. 
Do you remember when Moses assembled the people at the foot of Mount Sinai and God says, I want you to come up and talk with me. I want you to bring the people to me. But the people wouldn't go near the mountain because of the sound of the ram's horns blowing was so loud. It was the voice of God and the mountain was trembling and shaking. But Moses went up. We should fear the Lord. But we must still go up the mountain with God. Because you don't go up the mountain, you don't come down with any glory. Moses came down with the glory. The ram's horn, the blowing of the ram's horn is God's shout. That the troops must heed. It demands a response. Don't you just let God's ram's horn blow and you say, "Uh uh-huh, I'm going to back off. I'm going to be part of those 22,000 sissies that went back home that day. God's ram's horn, the shofar, they call it in the Hebrew. When that blows, it demands a response. It's the sound of your victory. And our shout is a response to God's shout. When God shouts, He says, shout with me. That's what He's saying. He's saying, shout with me. And then, the breaking of the clay jars. That's, that's easy to me. Because we're made of the dust of the earth. God is the potter and we are the clay. We are just earthen vessels. And we must break. We must be broken to ourselves. When we break this earthen vessel before God, we let His light shine through us. When it becomes more about God than it does us, we break that pot and we let God's light in us begin to shine. We must be broken. Isn't this the same familiar story that had happened many years before when Moses had delivered God's people out of slavery in Egypt where they had been held captive to all their sin and their slavery to the things of this world and God, Moses had delivered them and they had crossed the Red Sea but then they got out there in the wilderness and they had a hard time coming out of the world and they didn't want to trust God and they went and just circled around for 40 years trying to build up some trust until all the, the doubters had died off but then the next generation came along and Joshua took the lead and he says, we're going across the Jordan. And just as that Red Sea had parted, the Jordan parted. And Joshua brought them across on dry ground with the Ark of the Covenant standing right there in the middle of the Jordan. And they got across the other side. And the first thing God had Joshua do is to circumcise every male who had not been circumcised. Cutting off of the flesh. Getting serious about things. Getting rid of all the junk that we had 
lived from when we had lived in the wilderness, sort of like a cutting down of those altars of our, our forefathers in Gideon's time, right? They crossed the Jordan, they circumcised their, their flesh in the same way we circumcise our hearts today. And now it was time for them to obtain the promises of God. They were in the promised land, and it was time to fight. It sounds like the history of our church, for those of you who have been here any time. We have done our circling. We've done our crossings. We have, we, have, we have waited for such a time as this. And here and now, even as I speak to you, we have just spent the month of January talking about the difference in the spirit and in the flesh, sort of a circumcision, so to speak, a cutting away, an understanding of what, is the, what we're supposed to be doing, a circumcision of the heart. And we have just spent 21 days fasting and praying, circling the city and keeping our mouth shut. Just like Joshua and the Israelites, when they got into the promised land, their first battle was where? Those huge walls of Jericho seem impenetrable. Once again, if they had taken off in their own strength and built ramparts and started trying to fight in the natural, they'd have probably lost. But God said, I want you to circle around that city once a day for six days, blowing the ram's horn. The priest out front blowing the ram's horn. A call. A victory. And on that seventh day, I want you to circle it six times. And on the seventh time, you go around. Everybody blow the ram's horn. And when Joshua shouts, you shout with him. And all the congregation, they had, they had been silent for seven days. And they had time to think about it. Like during our time of prayer, uh, fasting and prayer. We had time to think about it. We kept our mouth shut. We wasn't feeding it with food. We were feeding ourselves with spiritual stuff, spiritual food. We've been around this city, this DeSoto County. We've been around where God has given us. First place we're going to take in the promised land. That ram's horn blowing in our hearts. Then on that seventh day, the ram's horn blew. And they said, shout for the victory. And every person of the Israelites shouted. And those walls fell in. And they won the great victory. And they began, and that was the first town they began to take of the promised land. But they shouted for it. They just shouted in response to God's shout in their heart of the ram's horn. Now listen, for those of you who watch me like a hawk, I'm not suggesting some silly new shouting doctrine. We're not going to start shouting there every service.
I'm just saying God's people should have a shout. When you feel and you hear the voice of God, you should respond with a shout like we did during praise and worship. It all, you couldn't contain it. Some of you who was trying to contain it, you're like, I've never been nowhere like this. But hallelujah. This is not some silly doctrine. We're not some silly church. We're people who simply believe God. And we can't contain our love for Him. And we want to be used by Him. There comes a time when the volume level of your appreciation for God becomes so loud that you can't keep it inside. You've got to shout it out. He's done too much for me to be walking around being quiet and dignified. For 21 days we've been climbing this mountain. To get to the top. Hey, we're at the top. What are you going to do? Oh, well, let's just get up here and be dignified. How about let's shout for the victory? Hallelujah. You can't help but shout. Shout for your God. I've been apologizing lately because all my messages, I've been getting so loud. I've been shouting. But hey, maybe it's because... The Lord is in our midst and I can't help it. I'm not saying it's always going to be like this. I'm not going to. It's not some silly doctrine we're trying to create. It's what God is doing in a people. He needs a people that will respond to his shout. 1 Samuel 4, 5 says, When all the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, that's where his presence was in the Old Testament. When they saw the Lord coming into the camp, their shout for joy was so loud it made the ground shake. Like it did down in the Soto County Jail. If they can do it in the jail, I know we can do it in church. <laughs> Maybe it's time we got a little fight in us. <laughs> Isaiah 13, 4 says, Hear the noise on the mountains. Listen as the vast armies march in the noise and the shouting of many nations. The Lord of heaven's armies has called together this army. He's calling this army together. He's calling this army together that is shouting. And a shout throws the enemy into confusion. Psalms 27, 6 says, Then I will hold my head high above the enemies who surround me. It may look like I'm surrounded. But I'm surrounded by him. And so are they, my enemies. It says that his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. Singing and praising the Lord with music. Are what we doing scriptural? Also, our shout isn't an ingredient for answered prayer. Because Psalms 20 verse 5 says, May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. 
And we're raising a banner. God is our banner. And we're raising banners of what He wants us to do. And if we want Him to answer our prayers, we got to shout for these things. They got to come from deep inside of us. They don't just happen by accident. We got to shout for these things. I barely have a voice left to preach this morning because I've been shouting. For these things. This is my life to see the Lord's will be done in you. Look. Your shout is your spark that ignites the joy in your life. Them guys in the jail didn't know, even know what joy was. They, were, they come in there like this. And they leave like this. High-fiving after they do the Shabbat. Psalms 32, 11 says, Rejoice in the Lord, be glad. All you who obey Him, shout for joy. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. I'm just reading you a few of these. The Bible is chock full of shouting scriptures. Proverbs 29.6 says, Evil people are trapped by sin, but the righteous escape, shouting for joy. Psalms 47.1 says, Come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with a joyful praise. Psalm 65.8 says, For those of you that live at the ends of the earth, stand in awe of your wonders. We, we look and say, Wow, God, I got to shout for all this. For whether sun rises... To where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. Do we not have someone to shout for? Jesus is the victory and he wants people that will shout for the victory. Psalms 84, 2 says, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. In Psalm 66, 1, he says, shout joyfully. Shout, shout joyful praises to God. All the earth, sing about the glory of His name. Tell the world how glorious He is. Say glorious. glorious. See, the world wants to shout, crucify Him, crucify Him. They're still shouting, crucify Jesus. Keep those Christians quiet, but we're shouting glory. We cannot be contained. This joy cannot be contained. Man. Psalms 29, 9 says, The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In His temple, everyone shouts glory. Glory! <laughs> this ain't some silly new doctrine. This is Bible. You know, maybe it's time we move on from here. I don't know what that means. Maybe it's time we move on from here. Numbers 10, verse 35, said whenever the ark set out, the ark was God's presence. Whenever God's presence moved, Moses would shout. He would shout, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let them flee before you. 
We sense the presence of God moving. It's time to move with him. It's time to shout because God goes before us and he makes a path straight. He makes our enemies scatter. It's time to shout when it's time to move. And shouting gives us courage for the battle ahead. You ever played football or something like that, some sport, and you're just getting beat down. The guy in front of you is stronger and faster, and he's getting to your quarterback or whatever it is. And you're just getting fed up with it. Some of you would just lay down and just easy going, you know. But I don't, not me. I ain't never been like that. If I've been, if I feel like I'm getting beat, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout because it's gonna bring courage into me. I, I, I tell my son when he was growing up, I said, "You got to turn on that crazy switch." You give me 11 football players on the field and I can convince each one of them to turn on that crazy switch, they'll beat the best team in the nation. You got to turn on that crazy switch. You don't go out there on the field being all dignified. You got me good on that one, bro brother. Way to go. Get me again. Get me, hit me again. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to come up to the line... All right, I got you this time. <laughs> I'm going to put the scare of God in the man. He's going to at least think I'm crazy. <laughs> See, shouting gives you joy. Shouting will build the courage in you to do great things. Isaiah 40, verse 9 says, O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder. O Jerusalem, shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Mess with me. I got some backup on the way. You better watch who you're messing with. Whew. You know, I found something studying this out just tickled me. I did not know. When I, when I pictured Jesus on the cross and I pictured that last thing he said, into your hands I commit my spirit, I've always pictured him with his head down, barely able to get the breath out. Into your hands I commit my spirit and give up to God. But I didn't know in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, it says, Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Jesus left with a shout, and he's coming back with a shout. He never lost his shout. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, the ram's horn of God, the chauffeur. Hallelujah. The sound of victory is coming back. Hallelujah. Even when the devil thought he had him on his last breath, Jesus is shouting, you don't know what you're messing with, devil. You just set yourself up. 
Psalms 47, 5 says, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm yelling too. Next week we'll be dignified. Next week when it says hut, I just say, come on by, sir. You get my quarterback. <laughs> my friends, it's time to shout. We've climbed the mountaintop for 21 days. It's time to shout. When we went into this fast, this time of prayer, I, I, I told you to be thinking about what you wanted God to do for you during this time. And God had revealed to me the things that I'm believing Him for. And we're about to shout for the victory. The victory is in our shout. We've got to break these clay pots of thinking we're going to do it in our own strength. We've got to shout for the victory. What I'm going to do is ask you to stand to your feet. <clears throat> and I know you may not be used to church like this, but, but ask God right now, would he have you sit here quietly or would he have you turn on the crazy switch? I want you to ask yourself, how much are we going to take from the enemy? Are we going to sit by and watch our nation crumble? Are we going to sit by just like a lot of other churches with no desire to get into the harvest field? Are we going to have to cower before Jesus when he comes back and say, I'm sorry, God, I just buried your, your gifts and talents into the earth and I didn't do anything with them? Are we going to be able to say, I trusted you, Jesus, and I shouted for your victory? I want you to be thinking about what you're shouting about right now because some of you have the enemy on your tail. Some of you are, are being defeated right now. You're going through stuff. Some of you need to shout. Some of you feel like you're in that jailhouse. And you didn't you done done enough screaming. And you didn't let out enough negative air. But now it's time to push forward with a shout of praise unto our God. Jesus is the victory, and Jesus wants people who will shout for the victory. And so we're going to shout for Jesus, our King. Are you ready? We're going to listen to the sound of a shofar. And then I'm going to say, shout for victory. And I want you to yell as loud and as long as you can. Glory. Give him glory.
Hallelujah. Victory. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Victory. Glory. Glory to you, Jesus. Long live the King. Woo! Bless you, Jesus. Woo! Lord. Glory. I don't know where to go from here. I was really hoping Jesus would come back during that shout. <laughs> you can be seated. <laughs> Some was broke free. Some has broke free. You got to reach out and receive it. Something broke free in your life. Right then and right there. I used to see those expressive preachers. They'd be up there preaching so hard. I said, that's all in the act. They just. I didn't know I was going to be one of them. <laughs> if somebody's in here today and if we were to break your clay pot there would be no fire in it that means you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life we were all born into to darkness dead in our sins and trespasses until we made Jesus the Lord of our life. You see, you can't earn your way to heaven. Jesus paid the debt. And the only way you, you get forgiven and you get the light of life is to invite the light of God into your heart so that you have a torch, so that you can break it and so you can let him shine. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, break your pot and come down here and let me pray for you, okay? And if you're having a hard time, breaking that clay pot and this flesh is holding on and and it's getting you into all kind of trouble and you feel backslidden and far away from God, these altars are for you. Just come and kneel. He says he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. All you got to do is confess them and, and repent of them and say, I, I want to get back right, God. He's, he, he, he'll forgive you. He will forgive you. He loves you. I, I know you feel like maybe I've done that too many times. You, you can't do it enough. You can't do it enough. I ask God to forgive me every day. I try to stay right before, with God. I always run to Him. No matter what I do wrong, I run to Him. I trust Jesus. So, I'm going to, like I said, I don't know where to go from here, but I, I believe what God wanted to do has been done.
listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.